welcome to the very first ever icon series of the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that is raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am Louise Salas, and with me is the one and only, my friend and genius behind the bar, Gina. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gina, today is such an amazing moment for us. Yes, we are launching um, the Icon series of the Designated Drinker Show so that everyone knows. It's a deeper dive into a uh, subject matter and will be led by an expert along the way. And we are doing exactly that today. Um, we're starting off the show um, in an amazing spot. Um, we're going to spend some time with and learn from uh, a true aficionado, a connoisseur, a mentor, basically an expert of all things Scotch whiskey. And uh, I would dare to say that he is a, a living legend and uh, go as far as uh, saying he might also be an urban myth or an urban legend. Um, so with no further ado, please let me introduce our first icon to the show, Harvey Fry. Hi. Welcome to the show, Harvey. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being our very first icon. We are honored. Cool. <laughs> so we have a little more to celebrate, apparently. I mean, we're celebrating the beginning of a new show for us, but Gina, you've got something bigger than that. So it's Harvey's 80th birthday this week. It's amazing. It's amazing. And um, bestow my heart, I love, and I know that you love oysters, and I know that we're just going to do a quick little shot because... Why not, right? What better way to start a show? What, what, better way to start a show, obviously. Right. So we shuck some fresh oysters here um, to make you happy, and I know that this is like one of your favorite things. We'll talk about the whiskey, but like I know that some people, you know, master their whiskey and the beauty of the oyster. These are um, old so salt oysters from Chickatique, and they're um, where they, the oysters are growing. Those beds are around 80 years old, so I picked the oysters just for you. Thank you. All right. So this one is for you, Harvey. And then we're gonna have a little one mix, a little bit of um, brine and Lafroy scotch. So cheers! Nice. Cheers! Happy, Happy birthday. birthday! Thank you. Oh. A little mess there. And that's oh, cool. that was delicious. Jim. Yeah. So what was in this? So it's uh, Lafroy, a little bit of mignonette, which is like shallots, and then rice wine vinegar, and then a bit of fish sauce. But it's the old soy oysters that are from Chickatique that are amazing because they're super briny and from the bay of the Chesapeake. That was going to be my next question. Is it you? Would you recommend it like a soupy, a soupy, a soupy? Not a soupy, but a super briny oyster for that. Um, if you're going to do scotch and oysters, you better have something that can hold up. Okay. So your right? little West Coast pretties ain't making it now. You got nope. your East Coast deep <laughs> Chesapeake, <laughs> like big brine. Like lots, spending lots of time in the current, something like that's gonna like only stand up to something so smoky or peaty. Great. Well, or Harvey. Or Harvey. <laughs> or Harvey. He's gonna stand up against Harvey. They're, they're nicely briny, but they're a little dirtier than I like. Uh, Probably because I shucked them. So, <laughs> you know, and sometimes the mixologist shouldn't be both, right? Yeah. Whatever. It's, they're cool. We wouldn't kick me out of bed for that, would you? Uh, or wouldn't kick them out of bed either. <laughs> So, um, Gina told us it's your 80th birthday. Yes, I, I believe that's true. Last time you checked? Last your driver's license? Driver's license. <laughs> well, I don't have a driver's license anymore. I don't drive. But, so, uh, let's talk about the 80 they, years you've spent. Where, where would you start? I mean, there's so much. Well, what do you want to know? My uh, life history and what uh, so you, abbreviated... You, you guess, <laughs> maybe the, yes. Maybe the uh, PG-13 version. <laughs> 
Texas, correct? No, I grew up in South Texas, Corpus Christi. Came up here to go to school and uh, more or less been here ever since, uh, outside of <coughs> maybe collectively two, two and a half years. Uh, basically, when I got out of college, uh, trying to become the next Jackson Pollock living in, in Manhattan. Uh, and, you know, I've lived in Manhattan, Brooklyn, off and on, I guess, collectively for maybe two and two and a half years, but all the other. Uh, Roughly uh, uh, 62 years minus that has basically been based here. I imagine you have some amazing DC stories. Well, I don't know. I, I think many of the more amazing ones are ones that we can't tell on the. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it depends on how much whiskey we pour, huh? I mean, we can, I mean, yeah, let's start with the whiskey and then let's talk about this amazing story. No, well, I mean, I'm trying to tell you that the whiskey, other than getting you, uh, let's just say, uh, loosened up, uh, uh, is, uh, <laughs> is not really a, a factor uh, in, in, in most of them. Uh, I think I would have liked, uh, liked the Wild West of D.C. then. Huh? I said I think I would have liked the Wild West of D.C. Well, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, a cheap Scotch and Irish whiskey had something to do with just about everything. When, when I was working, I didn't drink, but the minute I stopped having a, to, I mean, I had like 800 people working for me. I couldn't really uh, go around the place drunk. Uh, but the minute uh, I stopped working, uh, in fact, I, I ran a, a thing where most people worked for me were street people, uh, you know, uh, people that got kicked out of the post office for being drunks or, you know, dealing dope or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, we'd shoot craps or do almost anything on that uh, that, that lot uh, where the, uh, the delivery company was. Uh, 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 sort of like... Uh, the godfather in a way because I, I you know lent money to everybody and you know for great vigorous they never really paid back the uh, the principal because uh, in effect they were bribing me to uh, make sure that they made uh, enough money to pay me the uh, the 10 percent so uh, <laughs> sort of thing so I mean I, I just literally had all of these street people uh, that I uh, you know not didn't just work with but I partied with them and uh, it was uh, it was a uh, you know, it was a different life back in those days. Well, it sounds like great. Sounds like fun, actually. It's all part the part of the journey. How did how did yeah like that's what I was gonna say like yeah. that journey like had been incredible. Yeah, had to be. Well, you remember also that I I, I had a, a a face in the District of Columbia a, a, a license to drive a taxi cab from. Uh, from my 21st birthday, so they actually put the meters in the cab. Remember, we had a zone system before. So, I remember that. So that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, you figure out uh, uh, once they put the meters in, then you've got Big Brother uh, riding around with you. Know? <laughs> uh, so, uh, that uh, leash. How long did you completely. drive a cab? Well, when did they put the meters in? Uh, about five years, six hours ago? Yeah, that's when you stopped? Yeah. What? I, I tried it for about a month, and I, I, I made maybe a, a third of what I made uh, uh, with uh, the zone system. How did I not know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that you stopped that recently. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was years ago. Well, it was whenever they put the meters in. I mean, basically, I mean, I had my own prices. I did, did, did you know, I, I charged people what I thought I could get from them. And, uh, <laughs> with the meters. And when they were, they were tourists. 
Well, uh, more like... Almost, no, nobody ever complained. I mean... Uh, fair is fair. One, one thing, uh, I mean, I was uh, I, I was like a dervish. I, uh, I I drove real fast. I, uh, I got people where they were going. I knew everything, and uh, you know, nobody ever questioned it. I, I don't think maybe one in, in 50 people would say, are you sure, or something like that. But they didn't give you more. Uh, I found out uh, you know, very early, I think, a guy named Jack Lloyd taught me, the more you charge them, the more they're going to tip you. And, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, does that translate to bar, Harvey? I don't he, think so. He would say that uh, <coughs> a lot of guys, I mean, that was one of my first lessons. <coughs> a lot of guys will get these people in the cab and drive them all over Robin Hood's barn so it'll look like they're, uh, <coughs> you know, uh, going on a long trip and it costs more money. You don't need to do that. You take them the most direct way, the quickest way, and charge them what you think you can get away with. And believe me, it'll work. They won't question it. And it was true. It was always true. <laughs> you just have to sort of uh, be in command. And uh, So can you give us one of those juicy stories from those the, the many years of taxi driving, if I ask for one? One what, what kind one of One juicy story. She means sex, Harvey. Is no, there any one sex good story? one. One good, good, juicy taxi driving story. Gosh, do you ever deliver any babies? No, no. Really no, no. All right, all right. I'm going to start with the basics. Uh, you have to remember that uh, my whole attitude was, uh, <coughs> you know, I, I, I really didn't talk to you unless you were super interesting. I, I wanted to get you in and out and get my, get my money to go to the next thing. I mean, <coughs> my whole thing about driving a taxi cab was, you know, I was competing with myself, maybe like a... <coughs> A uh, picture like Scherzer is in the uh, in the paper today in, in the, one of the columns there uh, uh, about you know how he's always competing with himself. Trying to do. Well, that was the whole thing. I mean, I I basically uh, was trying to be the best taxi cab driver that ever lived, and uh, sure. that this you judge by how much you made per hour, yeah. and which meant that you had to you know really uh, uh, hustle. And uh, well, actually, I'll tell you one cute story uh, from very early on. I worked for the uh, Republican Congressional Committee. Uh, my father was a, uh, a big Texas Republican, and he carried uh, Texas for uh, Eisenhower, the first Eisenhower thing, for the first time since Reconstruction. And uh, that, of course, got me a, a, a bunch of things. Like, uh, well, actually, uh, you have to start back with when I was like 12 years old. He told me, all right, Harvey, I mean, here's a guy who's literally making several million a year as probably the biggest uh, bond salesman in in Texas, uh, and uh, uh, <coughs> he calls me in and he says, okay, uh, from now on, <coughs> you know, you can live here. I'm not going to charge you rent. <coughs> Your mother buys you all these clothes that you don't want to wear, so I don't think you have any problem <laughs> being clothed. And, you know, I mean, you can eat here. But anything else you want, if you want a Coca-Cola, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to pay for it. From now on, anything, uh, no get, you get no allowance, you get no help from me. No free ride. And then I'll help you get a job, but you got to do it. So from about uh, uh, the seventh grade on, I, I worked. And when I came up here, uh, I got this job at the Republican Congressional Committee where, in effect, I stood around and did nothing. Uh, they, you know, <laughs> they paid me like uh, they didn't have anything for me to do, uh, uh, $25 uh, a week, which, you know, that was cool back then. This is like uh, 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 19, uh, let's say, uh, 56. Wow. And, you know, it wasn't that bad. Uh, uh, 
But uh, there was this old guy who was as old as I am now. <laughs> I forget his name, but he uh, he was famous for having written and performed the radio show Captain Midnight, and he dressed in this really dark navy blue from head to toe, from his shoelaces to his hat band. I imagine his underwear were dark <laughs> <laughs> navy blue. Huh? And he had this great job uh, reading uh, like 50 national newspapers a day and calling from them what he thought the, uh, would be of interest to the incumbent congressman. I, was, I mean, if you're a congressman from Cook County, uh, you, you know everything that's in the, in the, in the Tribune and all the surrounding papers, but you, you get written out and uh, uh, something comes up in the L.A. Times or the uh, uh, Birmingham Tribune or, or whatever, you need somebody who is, is, is looking for things about you. And so the job is simply clipping, reading all these newspapers, looking, knowing who the congressman, the incumbent congressman, are, and, and clipping uh, <coughs> things about them. And that's really, you know, the, you know, I mean, you didn't have to. It was beautiful because then I could go to school full time and work full time. I, I didn't have to be in the office. I could uh, get the newspapers and read them and, uh, and do my job. And nobody ever complained, so I guess I did a pretty good job. Well, I noticed that and that these film canisters were were coming into the office. Back then, the office was in. Uh, we had a couple of floors on, uh, in uh, the uh, Congressional Hotel over at New Jersey and Sea Southeast, and just south of the Capitol there, uh, uh, just south of the uh, the two House office buildings. Back then, there were only two, and. Uh, uh, <coughs> You know, about 10 blocks north of where the ballpark is now. Yeah. And uh, these canisters were coming in, and it was the, the very beginning uh, during the, you know, the uh, biannual uh, uh, election cycle of them putting these ads on TV. And, of course, there was a zone system then, too, and the zone line uh, on, on the south was East Street Southeast, which was two blocks uh, below the Congressional Hotel. And the film studio, I remember his name, was Coster's was down like at New Jersey and and K. So uh, the the cab driver. Oh, by, back then the only way that uh, you could uh, uh, have it, there were no delivery services here in D.C. Only way you could get something delivered out of, outside of having your own messenger was to call a cab. Well, with his own system the way it was, the cab driver would get a a fee for actually answering the call for coming to pick you up, or in this case, your film counter. Then you'd get another fee. Uh, for going in to pick up the delivery, and of course the fee, two zones. Uh, 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 I mean, for that, uh, for you know, thirty uh, percent, uh, twenty. Uh, Let's say 30, a third less. You could go again all the way up here from there. Uh, so it was a bonanza because it was a like a, a, a two-minute two-zone ride right <laughs> over the zone. Then you got another fee uh, again for delivering it. But that's not all. Almost always when you got down there, there was something coming back, so you got paid double. I said, hey, look, if I get a cab license, they'll let me do that. Uh, well, actually, I, I probably didn't even have to get the cab license. They'd probably <laughs> let me do it in, in my, my own car because, I mean, it didn't interfere with my job or anything, and I was there uh, a good part of the time. Well, I got the license, and they did let me do it. So that's how I got the, the cab license when that's I was 21. That's how that started. How interesting. And of course, that, that literally doubled uh, what I was making. I'm going to say, did you double dip so you were still working for the Republicans and driving the cab? Oh, for sure. That's right. Well, that's, nice. Well, that's right. That's one of the ways I learned. Harvey, on that note, whole city. pour me something. Because 
I love that the embezzlement started right, right as a young kid, <laughs> and I need to learn more. Okay, well, this is yeah. the, this is the, uh, the last, uh, is that enough? You want some more? No, that's plenty. Thank I'll you. I'll start with that. I don't know, but I want some more. This is the last uh, uh, 10 year old cast shrink uh, uh, a version uh, uh, from Ian Henderson, who was the master distillery, distillery manager at Lafroy before uh, 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 John Campbell. Uh, he had actually. This one up until Camel took over uh, this 557, uh, uh, and I think this one started uh, about uh, uh, you know 2002 or something like that. Uh, before that, he had a 573. It was equally good. We don't have it up there. Uh, I don't really have enough bottles to sell one to Jack Rose, so I think I only have like three bottles left of that. Stupidly, I used to have you know, a whole lot of both of these, but I, I make concoctions, uh, uh, and I, you know, because they were cheap back then, I, I actually used those things to to uh, increase the peak content of some of my concoctions. Of course, I kicked myself now. <laughs> you know, a bottle like this that literally cost less than fifty dollars uh, back then is you know now uh, uh, on the secondary market you can get six, seven hundred dollars for it. If only if, if only you knew then what you know now. Right? Hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm so, sure he's smarter than. No, wait a minute. You should. So Louise needs to know about your concoctions. Like she doesn't know that like that you like take amazing whiskeys and then make it like a Harvey selection and then it carries his little well the whole uh, uh, the whole thing is I mean uh, when you get a well this is a perfect example when the air is the enemy is the lower the, uh, the the level in the bottle then the more air there is and the quicker it's going to oxidize so uh, uh, when the, the bottle is like this you don't have to worry about it even though it's open it'll probably last 10 years but That'll be lucky to last three years because the, the air will kill it. Oh, because there's more so air in the bottle. When you yeah. have uh, literally thousands of, of bottles uh, uh, on the wall like I do, uh, I'm not going to tell you how many, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, a, a few thousand, put it that way. Uh, uh, you can't really keep, keep up with, with, with everything. So, uh, you know, a lot of them will get away from you and, uh, and, and you pick up this bottle and open it up and it doesn't taste like it's supposed to anymore. And so to get away from that, whenever it gets down low, well, it, it goes into concoction. So I probably learned more uh, uh, doing, of course, uh, that's not all that goes into concoction. Like I say, to, to a certain extent, it's not just totally aleatory. You don't, it's not all chance. It's not just what happens to be poured together. You try to influence it. So I, back then, of course, when I needed a little more peat, then I'd use the, <laughs> the cast drink Lafroig, uh, which was what I was just saying. Uh, but, uh, you know, I probably learned more uh, uh, doing that than I actually have uh, uh, tasting the whiskeys. Now, since we started Jack Rose, I'm, I'm on a, a, a thing to literally eliminate all of the uh, <laughs> non-cast drink whiskeys in my collection, which means, of course, Virtually, at least half of the stuff up there is stuff that I don't want in the collection. I only have Castric uh, uh, expressions. Before uh, well, gets really good at that, of course, when you have the 10-year-old Castric that comes out about twice a year, and uh, then every year the Karchus. And it's also great for the uh, <coughs> for the average drinker as well as the collector because, amazingly, they've kept the price uh, uh, really, you know, Fair. Acceptable. Fair. Approachable I mean, and acceptable? Or, uh, uh, fair. 
fair. Fair. Fair is fair is the right word for scotch prices. I think some people get exorbitant. Like you might have like a young distiller, you know, and he puts something in a fancy bottle and it might not be the best stuff, and then it's you know huge. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that fair is like something that's really kind of amazing. Yeah. At any rate, uh, this particular thing was uh, was you know really one of the best uh, young. Uh, uh, Peaty whiskeys of all time, uh, and still is. Uh, uh, that was reasonably priced and uh, was readily available. I mean, that's really what uh, the average customer is looking for: <coughs> fair price, readily available, and of course, great. And uh, and John Campbell has gotten to where. Uh, uh, John Campbell has gotten with his ten-year-old cast trick and with with his car just uh, up around uh, uh, you know, where he's. Uh, one of the better uh, uh, distillers, uh, uh, master distillers working. So, yeah, uh, actually the 10-year-old cast rank and the yearly uh, cast rank cartridges are, are two of the best values out there. Uh, it's really delicious. So I, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> um, <laughs> the question really was, was how many zones to get from here to <laughs> Silver Spring? Go. Uh, to where? Silver Spring, Maryland. Go. Well, you, you, there are no zones when you're going to Maryland. <laughs> it's just Maryland. We should do a whole new show, Louise. Take Harvey in a cab. Shane, <laughs> we have a whole new idea. We're going to take you in a cab. We're going to give you anything that you want. And then we're going to have you talk about the cab zones to everybody that you're riding with. And I'm going to love that because that's going to be the best thing for me ever. I'm going to be awesome. like... What are you doing? Well, riding around with Harvey in a cab, yelling at people about zones that should still exist. Of course, why not? Why wouldn't that be a show? Harvey, can I ask you a question? Can I go off? Can I go off? I like, how did you start this? I mean, really, yeah. how did, like, I love your whole story, but how did you like become like the love of whiskey? I mean, where did it come from, really? Well, I've been a drunk all my life, as you already know. Well, that's a that's a cool story. Uh, all right, so by the time I was well, the what was it, 1958, that the Bears won the Super Bowl and the Mets uh, won the World Series. Who was president? I don't remember. That <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sports I know, only. Some, I'm pretty sure it was 1958. Good. No, it, it had it's 1983. Anyway, we'll just say when the Mets and the and the, <laughs> and the Bears won. I was basically making my living uh, uh, betting on the, the NFL, and I had a a, a good friend uh, uh, in uh, uh, New York who was a partner in uh, in uh, uh, Park Avenue Liquor. He's uh, since. Uh, Retired. He was uncle of, uh, of Jonathan Goldstein, who runs it now. Uh, who, uh, well, I won't really uh, get into Jonathan Goldstein. I don't think he knows his business very good, but uh, uh, <laughs> he doesn't realize that the whole idea is to move stuff out, not to. Uh, you know. uh, I, I, one time I, I, I had an argument with him. I told him that uh, Elliot Fishbein at uh, Town Wine in, in Rumsford, Rhode Island, sold this for, you know, uh, this, that, or the other for, you know, so much less than he did. And he said, well, that's a crime. Uh, you know, he's not supposed to discount the price that much and so forth. And, yeah, I'm going to you know, report him, <laughs> sort of thing. I mean, he, at any rate, his uncle was a much nicer guy. And so my little brother, who uh, is uh, or was a urologist, he's retired now, 
Basically, I've been drinking, well, let's just say an average of, of four gallons of, of cheap Scotch and Irish whiskey a week and whatever it took to chase it. My, you know, it had gotten to me. My body was telling me about it. But, and I was like, I guess 45 or 48, which, whichever the correct date is for uh, the sporting events that we're talking about. Uh, and I asked my little brother what I should do about it. And he said, hey, look, Harvey, if you don't cut way the fuck back, you're not going to live to be 50. And so I was. this was, of course, the, the time of the World Series there. And I was up there because the, the Mets were playing the, uh, the Red Sox. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, basically, uh, if you're betting on football. Uh, Hold on, Mets, Red Sox? That was 86. Okay, well, that's what, 83, 86. That was, yeah. a, that was a heartbreaker. Series. I mean, that was an amazing game. That okay, last so game. that's what I see. So I get my date straight. So right. I was 48 then. Sorry, I just, you know, I just, I'm just going to give it to you. I mean, I'm here with you. Right? Finally right came right? to you. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm doing all the math. And I'm like, that's 86. Let's move on. It took okay, her a minute so to do the math. Right, uh, <laughs> Mr. Goldstein had a a a a a, a, a box at Shea Stadium, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, so that was a, a way to see all the games, and you know, I asked him when I came up there when the when the uh, when the World Series started. You know, what, what am I going to do about this? And he, he said, "Well, I'll think on it." And then on the final game of the World Series, uh, sitting there in the box, uh, he said, "All right, Harvey, I, I have the solution for you." From now on, you're only going to buy uh, high-end uh, cognacs, uh, 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 armagnacs, and other ODBs from me. Can you guess why that was a solution? Uh, lower alcohol. More expensive, can't buy as much. More expensive, so <laughs> not just so you don't buy as much. I have plenty of money. I, 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 the price was never, uh, at least, uh, I, I am a cheap motherfucker in every way, but, but I learned that from, from my father. But, uh, but, you know, if I want something, I'm going to buy it. Uh, the, uh, the reason is because I'm a cheap, well, his words were, because you're a cheap motherfucker, and that way, you know, you're obviously going to buy these things from me, and uh, uh, because they're going to cost you so much, you'll sip them instead of, uh, you know, <laughs> drink them. And it worked. I started drinking non-alcoholic beers. I think that was just the beginning time for non-alcoholic uh, beers. And, uh, like in way, Old Duels? Cut way, huh? Like Amstel, when Amstel did, like, the non-alcoholics in the Old Duels? Uh... What was it? It had to be one or the other. Which one was it? Well, it, I think it was a, a, had a more English name. What was the What was the other one? There were two of them. Uh, yeah, it was like it was old, like, duels. old duels, and then Amstel Light. Yeah, yeah there duels. you go. That's what it was. Sorry, I'm saying it like a New Yorker. Let me say it like everybody else. Old duels. <laughs> well, come to think of it, that might have a, a, a green bottle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That might have actually influenced uh, the name I give my concoctions. Uh, we, we went off that uh, is Odoon. Uh, I got that because uh, uh, of Burns' uh, uh, poem of Tim uh, uh, O'Shanner. Is, is it Tom or is it Tim? Uh, uh, at any rate, he's the guy who's a ne'er-do-well who goes out and leaves you know, his wife at home and rides his, his horse uh, all over the countryside and in the pubs and everything. And, and the Tam, Tam O'Shatter, that's what the, <laughs> the point is. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> he, he's on his way home, of course, in, in his cups, and, and he's being chased by this witch. And the nag, the, the, uh, the, the, his horse, flies across the brig, which is another word for lake or yeah. water, Odoon. So that's where you get the, the musical Brigadoon. Uh, oh, so I, I call my my uh, uh, my uh, concoctions O apostrophe D O O N, so because I had to have a name that you know sounded sort of Scotch and Irish too, and that's what it is. They all uh, I use my own drawings uh, and you know make labels with, with my own abstract drawings. Ah, uh, the power of on, branding. Put them put on the, on the labels. But back to to that, I have maybe oh somewhere between 150 and 200 liters of works in progress. I, I I'll sit there looking at a sporting event on TV, and I'll just be messing with the whiskeys, you know, uh, continually uh, blending uh, uh, these things just to uh, see what it tastes like. Uh, I mean, uh, I buy over a thousand different whiskey expressions every year for the last three or four years. Uh, actually, for the last two years, well over a thousand. Uh, wow. I open them, and I've got to know what's in the bottle. The only way you're going to find out is open the bottle and taste it. Yeah. Many of them I never go back to. Uh, so, I mean, part of, of that cost is offset by, you know, things that I find that are good, getting enough. And, well, of course, your friends want to know what you think is good. And if, 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 if they agree with you, they, they don't mind giving you a couple extra dollars. You set the price. For your trouble. You know, this all goes back to the, the cab hustle. I'm listening to you now, Harvey. I like it. Oh, well, you I mean, uh, come on. You, you, uh, you got to... You got to be a street person to survive in a big city, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Never changes the spots. That's right. You gotta never think, changes the spots. You got to think of it. You got to think of it that way. That's for sure. Harvey, my glasses empty. <laughs> in part two of our boozy banter with Harvey Fry, learn all about Harvey's unicorns, how he believes women and whiskey are alike, and what it really means to implement the Fry method.